Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, welcome in. Here it is another edition of the Early Line here on the grid. It is sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez. We want to thank you guys for hanging out with us here as we inch a little bit closer to the weekend. And uh, dare I say, uh, we are inching just a little bit closer to uh, some normalcy and maybe sooner rather than later, a couple of sports might uh, pop up here around the country, which is all good news. Uh, we do have a draft. Uh, again, we'll continue our uh, draft breakdowns here as we move along. And again, a week away, uh, inching closer to that too as well, Dane. So I uh, listen, we have been on this show from day one um, when a uh, lot of pessimism surrounding us. Uh, you can't turn on the, the news without feeling as if like I should just hide under the bed. So it's uh, it's been trying it's been stressful it's uh it's not a good time for a lot of folks and you know we've uh, we've certainly been cheerleaders and i don't want to say cheerleaders but we have been supportive of uh the idea of listen when we okay. can and when it's possible the sooner we can get back to some assemblance of normalcy with sports the better it's going to be for everybody and that also includes the jobs that come along with that and we do have, and, and we'll give you our, you know, our dose of uh, optimism here for the day, guys. And certainly I'm in, I'm in an area, and Dane is in New York, and I'm in Miami, and it's very interesting worlds here that uh, Dane and I are living in right now. Obviously, New York, the epicenter for uh, the coronavirus all week. Miami certainly had its, uh, its fair share, and you go up the coast, you know, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton, keep going up there. Um, South Florida was hit worse than the rest of Florida. Um, and so there's, there's kind of this camaraderie between a lot of these states, certainly who have had to have experienced this, understanding what, you know, what curfews are and all of this kind of good stuff. And we're in the middle here of spring training. I mean, we had a lot going on here. And just like that, it was all uh, taken away. Now, the optimism comes from... The numbers that we're getting, right, Dane, for around the country, listen, that's, we've now had, I believe, 10 straight days of fewer people being ad admitted into hospitals. And, and that's all good news. We've, you know, we, the, it does look like all of this um, has begun to work, which is great news. Um, however, you do have uh, individual states around here have different ideas about where to go from here. Uh, right. California, for instance, is basically going to shut everything down from now until you know the end of time apparently uh as their governor has mentioned that yeah we're gonna hold off and don't forget it was california that put pressure on disney who right. then put pressure on the ufc and voila uh cancellation but florida is an interesting story because i got a governor down here dame that um a lot of people were questioning uh just over the last couple of days is yeah. How is the WWE an essential business? Because they're actually holding uh, court there. No fans, of course, but right. they are actually uh, holding court there in Orlando. And they, you know, Monday Night Raw, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, sure, sure. now, so uh, apparently the governor has announced that, yes, uh, WWE and wrestling is an essential business because it is essential to the economy of the state. In fact, they went one step further here in Florida saying um, all sports, okay, including the people involved in playing them, organizing them, working for them, you know, make I, their living. Um, it's pretty much open for business here in Florida. And when they announced the WWE is an essential business, uh, many different levels of the Florida state government have also tagged people like NASCAR, uh, of course, you know, UFC and Dana White. Uh, we are hearing Tiger and Phil, come on here. Uh, NASCAR, come on down. So they, it's very interesting that we've been trying to figure out these game plans, right? Is it just Arizona? Maybe Arizona and Florida. Well, the optimism here in Florida is growing, Dane. And they, uh, they are putting a uh, open for business sign up here for all of the sports leagues. And it does look... Dana White says May 9th now. 
Uh, Dana White ain't going to go anywhere near California again. But Dana White will have no problem coming here um, and and pushing through. Again, no fans on anything. That was the one stipulation here. Like Monday Raw, right. they can do their thing, um, but, you know, it's not going to be open to the public. Well, what it means is they don't have to tape it, Dane. They can actually go live yep. and put on a production. Um, and all of this is, again moving towards uh, a little bit of normalcy. And, uh, you know, it's interesting how the states, I don't know what they've been saying up in New York, although I think Cuomo has been talking about necessary steps to get, you know, get everything back going there. Um, and if it's going to get back in New York, then that's a good sign for everybody else. But certainly here in Florida, the, for, the open for business sign is ready. Sports leagues, come on down. So I, I do think that is... Very good news that not just here, but we heard how many states are offering the NHL. Come on over in here. You got it. You need neutral sites. So there are a number of places in this country that um, are moving towards let's get a little normalcy back here. Let's get people back to work, which I think is a great thing. Let's do it, um, you know, by May here. And everything else from the federal level on down seems to be going in that direction so i refuse to uh to be johnny uh you know johnny stick a fork in it now now the whole world is coming to an end i'm going to continue to move down that path and say you know what maybe in the next 60 days we're going to have our live sports back we're going to have that uh that much needed opportunity for us to have a little distraction and oh yeah people getting back to work which is maybe even more important yeah i mean uh joe if it's the right call, <laughs> you know what I mean, Joe? And when we talk about these dates, I've said it, we've said it now for about a week or two. I believe it should be kind of in the benchmarks of a process mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, trying to put yes. plant a flag on a date and then working to try to make that happen. I think we should have the process dictate the date instead of the date dictating the process. Mm -hmm. But I digress, you know. What we're also seeing, Joe, and, and I said this from day one, Joe. I said this from day one, the idea of consistency mm. being king, right? And now what we have yep. are some states saying one thing, some other states saying another. That is what kind of gives Shock. me pause, pause here, <laughs> right? This idea, because listen, the virus doesn't know, oh, I'm crossing the border into another state. Mm -hmm. Like that's not the way a, a virus thinks. And no. what we're also seeing this week are states starting to come together and put forth collaborative proposals on when they could open. All the good. Post states did that, you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, trying to work together because as a region, this is where people live and work and commute and, you know, travel and trying to do that in a grander uh, kind of collaboration mm -hmm. if we do not have an official nationwide policy. Listen. Which I we won't. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> we won't. Yep. Listen, and, and you already know at this point, yep. I do think that is part of the problem. But listen, mm -hmm. you talked about WWE, right? Well, Linda McMahon was part of the Trump cabinet, Joe, <laughs> right? I think runs a super PAC, in yep. fact. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting behind-the-scene kind of things that could be reasons. I don't want to get into it all right now. Sports Grid is trying to give you the edge for when we do get back. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of versions of a lot of reasons and rationales as to why. Um, but if something is back that we can bet on, mm -hmm. great, as long as we're not, you know, kind of getting out in front of our skis and we're not going to be here again in two months. You know what I mean? The, the state for the UFC, Joe, you know, it was, it was on like Native American land. The yes. catch, the issue, right? The part that made Gavin Newsom be able to say no is just traveling to and from for all this personnel would right. violate the order. Declaring sports or the WWE as essential is what clears the way for staff, whether you're, you mm -hmm. know, Roman Reigns or a cameraman, to be able to travel to and from to get to work. And I think yeah. that's the distinction. Well, the Open for business sign is uh, is on here in Florida, and uh, come on down one, come on down all. Now, again, no fans, not going to be open to public sure. or anything along those lines, but I think it's also, uh, what we're going to get to is to a point where states, leagues, um, you know, uh, commissioners, you've got to... You've got to come up and you've got to manage expectations somewhere along the lines. And you've got to manage risk because yeah. there is absolutely, if we're all going to sit here and say that 
We ain't going out until we're 100% there's a vaccine. Guys, we're indoors and homeless in two years. I mean, that's we don't know. There's always going to be inherent risk with this moving forward. And by the way, not just this. Who the heck knows what's going to come around? And I think you know, and I think that's kind of what states are doing right now, is they're managing, and these leagues are managing risk. And how much risk are you willing to take? And I think that's going to differ. But I do know this. Whoever the first one is right. to go, you know what? There's risk well, in everything in life, guys. There's going to be risk here. There's always going to be risk until we have a vaccine. So we have our choice of either, okay, let's stay inside until there is, or we manage the risk of our friend, of our, you know, of our players, of our coach, everybody involved in a league, and as well, individual choices among them, too. Everybody's got to manage their own level of risk here. Florida is basically saying, we're only letting the people in that are associated and filled. It's not going to be, you know, 20,000 people in a, in a stand. They're not doing that. Right. But if you get a league like UFC who has 250 people that they may need to put on an event um, with no fans, the 250 people are, are going to, in all likelihood, do it somewhere. And they're probably going to do it sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, and, and they have... I guess governors, right, have the right yeah. to make that kind of decision. You talk about We management. all do, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Individuals, we talked about, like, the veteran baseball player mm -hmm. versus the young baseball player and how they would. You're absolutely right, Joe, whether yeah. it's an individual, a team, a yeah. network, a government. They, that's what they're trying to do, right? Calculate and manage risk. My right. only issue, Joe, is that, and you know this as a sports investor, right? We want all the data, all the information to make that decision. And mm -hmm. my issue is that I don't know that we have a complete picture of the information because of testing and tracing and all that stuff. When we're mm -hmm. in the minute of in the middle of it, we are sort of making decisions about managing risk with something of an incomplete data set. And yes. that's what makes it, I think, more risky to make decisions on managing risk. Yeah, and listen, it's always gonna be a situation where until we get a vaccine, it's always going to be risk involved, regardless. Um, it's always going to be. Until we know that that vaccine is there, um, there's going to have to be a little leap of faith here with some of these leagues. They're going to have to take the temperature of their players, of their, you know, their owners, that kind of thing. I mean, it is literally take the temperature of the room here, guys. There are, and I'm sure that's another facet of what's going on here is the steps of, all right, how do we protect them? Because we know there's not a vaccine. Um, and I know um, uh, the president put together a group of trying to get trying to get everything back to normal from work. I mean, you're talking about all the league commissioners of the big four, right? You're talking uh, Robert Kraft, uh, yeah. Jerry Jones. You're talking That's Mark it. Cuban. You know, I have put together this kind of sports commission to collectively come up with a game plan in order to be able to bring this back. And of course, fingers crossed. We can get everything back at some particular point in the future. But um, the right people, I guess, I mean, the, all the people who control all the sports in this country are basically going to be in a room here together trying to figure it out collectively how we're going to approach this. And I don't know whether you're ever going to get that room to agree 100% on anything. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see which one of those commissioners in sports goes us first. Right. And it's also when you say they're all in the room, you know, it's about who is in that room and what are the kind of true objectives of those people in the room. And if they're only driven by the business side, I'm with you, Joe. I understand this. OK, it is a very delicate balance. Yep. OK, that's why we're talking about managing risk and these kinds of things. All right. And I don't want to seem like I'm like crazy on one side here, but there is a continuum here. Right. About how we balance risk with health, the idea of kind of being back where we were, right. and obviously the pressure and the need, uh, both from an emotional standpoint and from a straight up financial business standpoint, when you have all of those things together as valid considerations to manage, I wonder who's in the room and if all of those voices will be heard. Yeah, and it's uh, collectively, they're going to have to figure it out, because I can tell you this, the, the one owner ain't going to allow an owner of another team and another sport to get back without. And that's why I think it's going to be fascinating to see which one of those uh, commissioners and owners goes, all right, us first.
That's uh, right. Because there's going to be a significant blowback, though, one way or the other. I mean, Dana White doesn't really care what we think. So Dana White is going to – he'd already had this event last weekend if it sure. wasn't for the pressure that, uh, that they got. So uh, there are, I am sure, a few that are ready to go. But, again, you got to know your own league, your players – the bottom line is, is I'm going to continue to just go down the path that, you know what, things are getting better every day. It's still a very fluid situation. We are not where we were 30 days ago. And that gamut that we've run, it's all leading to, to good stuff. And eventually, by June, and that's kind of where I'm putting my mind frame, is I'm expecting by June we will have, and we know the PGA Tour just came out, according to Golf Digest, and said, you know what, the Colonial there in, uh, in Texas and Las Colonias, that's happening, guys, June 11th. So they're not canceling it. They're saying it's going on um, as planned. So you're already starting to hear uh, from some of these. I believe NASCAR is going to be next, Homestead, yeah. Daytona, something along those lines. It's coming. Um, and once it, once it starts, I think it's going to be very hard to stop that train uh, from everybody else joining in. No, I think that's true. But at the same time, Joe, June 11th, the day you're citing, is very different than May 1st. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Or May 9th, like, like Dana White's saying. So. so this is the thing, and you say this all the time, right? Where we, were to, where we are today is very mm -hmm. different than a week ago, than two weeks ago. Yep. So it's just so hard to project what this is going to look like in six weeks from now. Could we be kind of on the, on the bottom of the curve? Sure, that's possible. Could we have some kind of relapse? as a country or in different areas of the country, that's also possible, possible. right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So who the hell knows? And that is why, Joe, I don't want to be dictated or have it be driven by dates. I want it driven by the process and what we are learning right. on the ground. Joe, you talk about, you know, in New York City, right? The curve is flattening. The curve is sort of going down. But for context, you know, like, if it's good news that only 600 people died yesterday, like, talk to the families of those 600 people, right? They won't see it as that great of a thing. So I, I do think we need to have it all in context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we're below the point now where we're overrunning the emergency rooms and hospitals in this country. That's great. But there's still yep. work to do. We need to finish the job and continue to take this seriously. And again, it's all going to come down to risk. Whether you want to leave that house, you want to go back to work, you want to sure. go to a game, you want to do... From this point on, it's all about choice and it's all about managing uh, risk here because I, none of this is going away anytime soon. So none of it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here. The early line on the grid, sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez has uh, some, uh, some good news, uh, certainly some, um, some exciting news, uh, at least from the standpoint of the future of sports coming back in this country as the PGA Tour has announced plans for a schedule. And it uh, looks like that June 11th schedule uh, for the Colonial in uh, Las Colinas uh, will absolutely, Texas will be going on, or at least that's the plan as of right now, uh, which is interesting. We didn't think we were going to hear from uh, a lot of sports until at least May 1st, but the right. PGA Tour and, and is, listen, you're a billion-dollar corporation. You, you can't just throw your hands up in the air and say, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get you got to have a plan somewhere along the line. Now, whether or not that, that plan comes to fruition is a different ballgame, but... Sure. You know, releasing dates, and we know now pretty much on the PGA Tour, um, you know, beginning in June, kind of on through, they've got their uh, they've got their slate of tournaments, including a couple of majors coming your way, culminating in November there with the uh, uh, with the Masters. We know Dana White is looking for a spot. Says May 9th, uh, in all likelihood, is uh, where when it's going to be. Where he's still working on uh, NASCAR is uh, apparently. Uh, behind the scenes, putting together a, uh, a plan to get back on the track. All of this with no fans, but all of this, uh, you know, certainly nothing that anybody was talking about a week ago. Uh, and baseball, of course, uh, still trying to uh, roll out some plans and some ideas and leak it to us to see exactly what we would like. But 
We're a couple of weeks away from that May 1st kind of time frame, and I think we'll all have a little bit more clarity by then. In the meantime, some of the sports leagues, of course, uh, telling us what they are planning with certain dates, certain tournaments. It's all good until, of course, it's not, but at least they're planning, including college football. I mean, heck, the NFL is going with the draft, guys. It's coming here. Their plans still to move ahead uh, and get that done a week from today, which means there's a lot of teams and a lot of uh, personnel that are busy behind the scenes, Dane, trying to put their final list together, that board, what? who's who, sports. what's what. And I thought it was, uh, it was kind of interesting, too, because I thought um, uh, the idea of even with the NFL came out at, you know, there's not going to be any fans at an NFL stadium. Right. I mean, at least not in the beginning. And that's a distinct possibility that people are going to have right. to wrap their heads around. And listen, if you're a season ticket holder, OK, that kind of sucks. But, you know, for those of us Dane, that have 19 TVs on watching every game humanly possible right. from everything, we don't really lose an awful lot right. there. Um, but Kirk Cousins comes out uh, and this was hysterical. And he's like, you tell Kirk, what do you think about the uh, idea of playing in uh, empty stadiums? And he's like, you know. Be kind of refreshing yeah, not you don't get to have to play in front of a uh, in front of yeah. stands of people like poor Kirk Cousins, man. Like Kirk, and I know, and you know what? I don't think he's alone. I think there's going to be an awful lot of people, uh, players, yeah. who are like, "Whoo, man!" Don't have to be ridden into the ground by the fans anymore. So, um, I, and I appreciate. I love his honesty. I love the fact that he's like. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a little refreshing not have to get crushed by my own my sure. own hometown fans. And I thought that was uh, quite enjoyable there. Thank you for that, Kirk. Yeah, to be quite honest, Joe, <laughs> yeah. and I, I've said this in a different way. Uh, <laughs> when this comes back, because we all accept, right, there's going mm. to be an interim step where games are happening, but 30,000 people aren't congregating that's together. That's correct. Yep. We've all said this, and that's going to happen in every sport. And I have said in a different, you know, again, my cynical New Yorker coming out, Joe, I've said that this... The Houston Astros get off scot-free because of this, right? Like, they're yep. going to be traveling, and we talked about what's going to happen on the road every stadium they go into. Well, not if there's no fans booing them, banging garbage cans, throwing buzzers out. They kind of get off scot-free. So the spirit of what Kirk Cousins is saying, I think, actually helps the Houston Astros in a similar spot. And I got to imagine, Joe, any quarterback, um, any starting pitcher, any head coach or manager who mm -hmm. is on some level of hot seat, any owner of a New York basketball team, anybody where you see your chance in the stands, right, about fire this person or boo, right. this person sucks, that ain't happening anymore. The hot seats are less hot when we come back without fans. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you can uh, – you can – and listen, he's got a point. I mean, all of a sudden now, you um, the going to a silent count, not an issue. Uh, those types of things. The Chargers so, at home, right? Go to a silent count. They get outdrawn by the XFL. Exactly. It was exactly. supposed to be in a new stadium anyway. Yep. But wherever they go now, yep. be no fans. So hey, <laughs> it's I love I love the fact that he's like, you know what? I'm I'm good, man. Like I I I'm getting crushed every time I go out onto the field. So. I am good. And it's, does that have the reverse effect also, Joe? What about teams that have <laughs> huge home field advantages, right, mm -hmm. Where, that are loud, you know, that create, oh, like Seattle, right, the 12th man, you know, and they create, you know, a multitude of false start penalties or delay of game penalties, right, because of the noise that the crowd makes. Well, that's going to be gone too. So mm -hmm. when we get to it, I do think there's going to be a very interesting conversation we need to have about how that affects our handicapping with no fans in the stands, whether from a positive side or a negative side, right? <laughs> exactly correct. I don't know. I mean, usually we're given three points here, two points yeah. there, or, you know, depending on the well, field, the stadium. Well, if none of that comes into play, then it's really going to be as, uh, as just as easy as who's got the better team here, guys? Um, and that's about it. I don't know how many numbers you put on it, but. Um, those kinds of uh, equations that we've done yeah. with in the past with, you know, this is a better home field than this, and this is, you know, points, give it three two and a half points. Yeah. yeah. A neutral field. Like, everything's right. a neutral field now. So uh, it's, it'll be interesting how the sports books approach that, too, from the standpoint of, 
Uh, well, you know, if this what they're basically saying is this would be a pick'em game, thought, well, then they're going to be an awful lot of pick'em games on uh, on the field with no fans because neutral stadiums, no, it's a different vibe. Everything is going to take a little while to get uh, used to, but at the same time, I think it has more effect on football than it would any place else. I don't think basketball, these guys have been playing in front of gyms of 12 people their whole lives. Um, you know what I mean? Basketball is kind of in there. Football, I think they really do feed off the, the craziness of the fans on game day. And, you know, it's, it's really like having a practice. And without, you know, practice sometimes is you're going to have to have a lot of guys dig deep, I think, for motivation, uh, so to speak, right. and, and to really start to get that adrenaline flowing. I, I yeah. definitely think it's going to show who um, – who the pros are, guys that can uh, that eat, it sleep it, and leave it all out on the field, guys, while others are there for the cameras and those types of things. It's going to, I think it's going to expose a few people, too, in football. It will. It will. I do believe there are some gyms in the NBA that are noted as home court advantages, you know, yeah. whether it be Memphis and the Grindhouse is supposed to get loud, Utah and Denver come to mind as well as big time home court advantages. But I guess the question I want to ask you as a, you know, a veteran sports investor, Joe, is remember last year in Major League Baseball, mm -hmm. how we were like, wait a second, we know there's something going on here, whether it's with the ball or what have you, mm -hmm. right? But we also said that books were slow to adjust the totals, right? And that then created an efficiency yep. for us. Right, yep. to bet overs, let's say. Now, there's got to be some adjustment, like we're saying, for neutral sites or no fans. Like, there is. There's some adjustment. The question is, how quickly will the books adjust to that and, in essence, bake it in in the same way they did with MLB totals last year? We yep. started seeing 7.5 become the new 6.5. But that took a while, and that in-between time created value for the um, – savvy sports investor do you think there will be a window of time there where we're seeing the impact of no fans before yeah. in essence the books figure out how to price that in we're talking about say the home court advantage or the home field advantage will there be a time where like it drops to two points in the nfl and we're we're earning a point there in the interim right yeah it's um it always takes them a little while to uh to kind of adjust but again their adjustments are based upon the amount of public support one team gets one way or the other. So if there's no reason for them to adjust because they they continue to get the edge because yeah. public loves one side, then there's really nothing to adjust for. And again, the, the, the spreads aren't about who's better than who. The spreads are about, you know, how can they go about what's the number that allows them to get, you know, equal on both sides. That's the only thing. So it's really right. not an indicator of the game, so to speak, as it is the market. And, uh, and books are always going to be a little bit slow to that because if they're making money one way or the other, then there's no real need to throw right. it one way. And it's not so much the public. It's they're going to adjust when, when the big, the big dogs start to notice something and all start to congregate towards one sure. way or the other. That's when the spread is going to go, oh, wow, um, wow, that's different. And, you know, last year, listen, it didn't make a difference with the, with the juiced ball in baseball. They didn't have to adjust right away because right. they were still getting pretty good money on both sides there. Right. It wasn't until it became so painfully obvious, even to the public, and then the public started jumping on. That's when they had to go ahead and, uh, and move it. But... I mean, a significant portion of the public last year refused to believe that you couldn't get a, you know, under six uh, right. or that there wasn't going to be a pitcher's duel or that there wasn't, you know, three, two games. It wasn't till late in the game that they went, there could be something wrong with this, um, this ball here. There, right. there might be something wrong. So, and, and that's going to be the same thing this year, too. It going to be the same thing this year, it's especially now you add fans into it or the lack of fans. Right. And I do think the perception of the fans and how much value that creates to the yeah. public is going to wait until you see those lines come out. I mean, if the public thinks, wow, an underdog's got a really good shot now because there's no fans in the stadium on the road, get ready. Sure. They're going to they're gonna be going the other. There's going to be a lot of, yeah. lot of chalk to bet on then uh, come this <laughs> year because the pros are going to hammer the other side. We know it. 
but it'll be interesting to see where do they start that line in the sand and exactly. where does the public go? What does the public think no fans in the stadium does? Right. So, like, the thing is, I think you accurately describe it, right, Joe? Like, it's about where the market moves yes. because of these things, and that does make sense. But when you throw in all of these variances and factors, yeah. right, whether it's no fans, whether it being every team playing in one or two hubs in the nation, right, and what that means for, you know, these are things that people care about when they're handicapped. Yeah, travel, absolutely. You know, back-to-back -back road games. Well, that's not happening if everyone's on a damn hotel or on a cruise ship or on an island. Right. You know, and so I do think, the and you, you called it the market, and you also called it the perception of what the, the impact these things will have, right? Yep. And so that's going to happen on some level, and I just wonder, you know, when we get closer to it, we'll be able to see the movements. There's got to be a way for the savvy sports investor to get ahead of it and to use that yep. to create more value for them, and that's going to be really interesting. Even if they just kept it level i mean even if they just kept it as if they normally would as if fans were in there it'll be fascinating to see what that perception in the betting markets from the public is going to be will they favor the dogs do they because here's the one thing about the public and and once everything starts to roll back you know keep this in mind the public is going to overreact one way or the other Correct. They are recency bias going to come in. If somebody wins a game on the road, Dane, with no fans in the stadium, Correct. right, as an away team, they're going to get crushed and they're going to get hammered. It's it's always an overreaction, and it takes a little while for the public to uh, to get on there. So I think if they keep it all just level like they normally would, don't take into consideration the fans. What is the perception of that in the public market? Uh, you and I both know it's going to change. Depends on who wins. Like, it depends on who, uh, how many games uh, for the road team if they play yeah. the playoffs, right? So, oh, wow. Denver, like you said, normally has a pretty good home court advantage. Well, there's no fans. Bam, we got to go with the away team, right? Everything's right. level now. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. My fantasy sports aspect, Joe. Yes. Right? Like, let's say this. Here's a kind of tangible example I think mm -hmm. the casual fan even knows about, right? The Colorado Rockies, Joe, yes. right, are known are known far and wide, and there's an impact in the sports betting markets, right? Totals are higher in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Thin air. The ball flies, right? Cool. Let's say, though, Joe, we're playing all these games in Florida, like you said, right? Right. All of a sudden, Joe, I'm going to bump up Rockies pitchers in my rankings. Herman Marquez, John Gray, the first time they yep. go out there and, 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 and give up one run after seven and a third and no balls leave the yard, I'm going to be like, wait a second. They're now in a different environment and it helps their fantasy value. I'm going to boost them up in my perception, right? That's and correct. the same thing happened like against, say, Rockies hitters and, you know, for the idea of the totals that Rockies play and all sorts of things. If everyone knows about the idea, the perception that balls fly out at Coors Field, that games are inflated offensively, if we don't have that anymore, what does that mean for the perception, the reputation, whether it be fantasy sports or betting it? There's going to be some kind of yes. impact. And the question is, is it priced in? Are you ahead yep. of it or not? Yeah. Well, and it's... And we all know it's going to really depend on outcomes of, uh, of those first couple, right? I mean, because that really is what dictates the, the mood. I don't know how much you're going to be getting of the, uh, of the early betting, you know, which really influences a lot of what happens to a line, especially in football when you have one game a week. You know, usually Sunday night when those new lines come out for the following week is when most of the adjusting is done because that's when most of the pros bet right there. It's where they see the value. I think power rankings are going to be very interestingly done this year, certainly in college and the NFL yeah. moving forward. Um, a lot of the uh, metrics in, in baseball will pr probably going to stay the same. Um, and the, I think what will happen is we will begin to see what a lot of these players, like we said, those that thrive in that kind of environment, like a Kirk Cousins, or, you know, who's happy as all hell, there ain't going to be anybody yelling and right. screaming at him. Or those that, you know what, this kind of sucks. It's not where I want to be. So I think that will definitely play into a lot of the minds of betters uh, as well. And I think those kinds of players will surface. Um, and, and, and listen, I think we're going to get to see a big shot of it here coming up in the draft. 
expressions right. and reality of not being in Vegas right now. Um, and we'll talk about some of those, uh, the latest news, mock drafts, and headlines that are absolutely out of this world. We'll give those to you. We'll do it coming up next here on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. They have now told me that you are too busy, too busy with Dave, too busy with Mish, too busy uh, helping everyone with their technical problems. I will never, ever be too busy for coast to coast. Everybody else can wait. Every time I call you, no matter when it is, because I've had a number of problems, you're like a Coke dealer. You answer every time. The Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here to the early line. It is the grid, guys. SportsGrid.com. He's Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri. As we... Uh, continue to push on here, getting ready for an NFL draft. And I can tell you right now, the, uh, they are churning it up, baby. The, uh, the fountain of misinformation is Smoke just spouting all over the place. Although, and this is the interesting thing about this time of year in the NFL, and we always find it fascinating to compare and write the storylines that we heard leading into the draft compared to what we actually uh, what we actually talk about after the draft and, and compare stories and see how close or just wow is that way off. Uh, but I do think there are there are some half-truths in a lot of what we are hearing uh, right now. And I think that's good. Now, not everything is, is crap. Uh, there is a lot of truth that does come out. So you got to, the problem is there's so much of it out, you have to weed through what you think is real and what's not. Now, for instance, um, like a picture on Instagram, Joe, you know what I right, mean? Right, right, like, exactly. I mean, that whole thing with Tom Brady was, yeah, I mean, stop, stop going crazy here, people. It's, uh, there is some, especially in the draft, needs are needs. I mean, it's not, you know, we're not reinventing what a team needs here, and they're not lying about what they need. And I thought it was interesting, too, that um, the Raiders, who we talked to, have uh, two first-round picks and, uh, and three third-round picks this month. And it was interesting where, and one of that first picks is right by the Jets, I believe, right? Around 13, 13 or 14, somewhere in there. Yep. Um, Mike Mayock, They're 12, talking yeah. to the Vegas Review, is basically saying, listen, guys, we don't need a quarterback. Like, we, we need a wide receiver. Like, we need receiver help. So, and I find that refreshing because there's really no need to lie if you're Mike Mayock at number 12, right? There's absolutely no reason. Like, you're not going to sneak up on anybody and steal a quarterback. And, you know, that's kind of what we have been talking about is that because of how draft-heavy the wide receiver position is this year, and we're talking some studs right. here, you know, you look at a Raiders team, would it be nice to get Jordan Love? Sure, it would be nice. But do you need him? No, you certainly don't need him. You went out and signed Mariota. So, they, and you wouldn't have signed Mariota if, you know, Gruden didn't think there was a possibility to work. Um, and Jordan Love's not the immediate answer anyway. So what would be a need an answer at number 12 is go get a T. Higgins. Go get one of these stud receivers there. And voila, you'll have an opportunity to be able to compete way better than you did last year. So I find it fascinating that some people will just discount everything. I'm not. I do believe Mike Mayock is spot on. He says there's no sneaker, guys. We need to get better at the wide receiver position. When you're sitting at 12 and you have an opportunity to go get a Judy or, or a CeeDee Lamb or one of the yeah. – then you go get them. It's that simple. I mean, the quarterback talk is nice for the media and for us to argue about, but the reality is go get your damn wide receiver that replaces Amari Cooper because you haven't been the same since he left. Yeah, they may be able to get – Another Alabama wideout yep. to be able to do so, Joe. Here's the thing, right? We've been talking about it in terms of, like, supply and demand also. You know, I've been saying, like, for the, for the Jets, let's say, it's will one of those top-tier uh, offensive linemen still be there for them, right? And with the Raiders at pick 12, we've said it before, Joe. You know, 
and, and you start to see all these big boards, all these mock drafts. And while there are some differences, the, 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 if you zoom out far enough, the big picture flow is kind of similar, right? Yep. And we talked about it on this show. Like, in the top 10, oh, these three quarterbacks may go, oh, there's four of these offensive linemen. Oh, right. here are the top three or four defensive players, right? right. So I believe that Mayock has the luxury of being able to tell the truth. Um, because his needs and the supply and the demand and where they are in the draft yep. kind of lines up, yep. you know? And so I believe that Mayock knows, and I agree with him, that when he sits there at 12, he will have one of the wide receivers there for him, whether that's Lamb, whether that's Judy, whether that's Ruggs. He will have that option. So he can be honest about it. You know what I mean? And I yep. think that's the case. Whereas some other teams, whether you're further down, have multiple needs that are disguised, that's where the smokescreen has to happen. I think the Raiders are in a position at 12 with a clear need and knowing that there will be value at that position there. He doesn't have to divert or put a smokescreen. So it kind of lets him, it kind of lets him be honest. It's almost like if you're holding pocket aces and an ace drops on the flop, you can be honest about it. You know what I mean? If you know you're holding the nuts. Yep. I think he knows that what he needs will be there, so he doesn't have to put yep. out a smoke screen. Yep. And listen, there's also, and we've said it, there's an opportunity certainly uh, in the wide receiver position for a lot of teams where, you know, second or third round, you're probably going to get a first-round talent somewhere along the lines. Yes. It's just Absolutely. that simple because of that quality of players that we've got on the board. Um, we also heard, of course, uh, Ian Rappaport um, is saying and telling folks that uh, keep an eye on the Falcons as a team to move up in the draft, and it wouldn't be the first time that they've done this, uh, given the fact that you may recall they gave up a boatload to go get Julio Jones back in 2011, uh, and that was, of course, Thomas Dimitri off there, and it's, uh, it looks like they are spending an awful lot of time on a couple of players that don't figure to be there at number 16 by the time the Falcons come around. So um, there's a lot of people agreeing with that, too. A lot of beat reporters seem to be agreeing with that philosophy. Yeah. Um, they think um, uh, C.J. Henderson, the quarterback from Florida, uh, is a kid that they uh, have spent a lot of time talking to from the area, knows right. Uh, they know him very well, of course, now with Marcus Trufant, everyone gone in that secondary. They need to start building that up. So, uh, again, reading between the lines here, not everything is garbage, guys. There are some things that absolutely make sense. And really, when you're at number 16, moving up a couple of spots, if that player or two is there for you, you're not going to have to give up nearly as much uh, like you did for Julio Jones that year. But uh, uh, still, it looks like, and we have said this, that's the one wild card with all of this is the trades and the teams willing to move up or down uh, sure. to go get a player, certainly in the first round. And uh, it looks like we've identified the Falcons as a team sitting at 16 who do not be surprised if they uh, find themselves and you're looking, you know, San Francisco, Tampa, you know, right. starting to move up in that range over there, even the Raiders at number 12. So what's interesting to me, Joe, is by the same logic, I don't know that the Falcons need to move up to address their needs, Joe. Like, we just talked about the top 10, right? And then you and I both, and, you know, obviously we could be wrong, but you and I both expect 10 through, like, 15 to be heavily laden with wideouts and, and tackles, right? Like, look at those teams. The Browns at 10, the Jets at 11, the Niners, the Raiders. We talk about, um, you know, the Broncos. We have talked about the offensive side of the ball, the offensive linemen and the wideouts, that that may be a run there. So then when you have the Falcons kind of like right after that, mm -hmm. you know, I wonder who is the player that they're targeting, whether it's Henderson or Chason or someone else. Like, who is the player that, player that they're targeting that they think they need to go up and get? This is the part that I don't necessarily, I can't figure out because a lot of places I've seen, a lot of the mocks, what we've discussed on this show, have there being something of an offensive tackle and a wide receiver mini run going on right before Atlanta. So if Atlanta wants to go defense, and I think they should, whether it's a pass rusher, whether it's a cornerback, they may have their choice. You know what I mean? So if they do, why spend the assets to go up 
when I believe, and a lot of the mocks we've seen, what you think as well, I believe, is that maybe C.J. Henderson, Chason, Kinlaw, you know, these guys, they may have their pick of two or three top-notch defensive players, so I don't know that they're going to need to go up to address that need, Joe. I can't hear your audio, Joe. Still can't hear you. Hey. Okay. The Energizer Bunny. Okay. Here we go. So I don't know, Joe, if they're going to need to fill that need. Or you want to just pick it up from there when you have it? Keep going. Sure. And so, Joe, that's what confuses me about the Atlanta Falcons. You know, they're sitting there kind of in the middle of that first round. And if all of a sudden, you know, they're. They're there at 16, but we have been talking about them having needs on the defensive side of the ball, right. and all those teams in front of them, right, from, call it from Cleveland at 10, the Jets at 11, the Niners, the Raiders, the Broncos, many people believe that they're going to go offense. So I really wonder, Joe, you know, if they have, let's say, two or three guys at that level, and I've seen guys like Chase on the edge rusher right. from LSU, Kinlaw from South Carolina, they want to go cornerback C.J. Henderson, who you mentioned is from Florida, right? Mm -hmm. Closer to home with Atlanta. If yep. those are kind of the guys they have targeted, I don't think they're going to need to move up to address that area of weakness from the team. I actually think, and everything I've read, is that they're going to have those guys kind of fall to them, and they may have a choice. Right. So I wonder if they actually have to spend in order to go up and get their guy. It'll be, uh, and, and we're both thinking defense for them right we think yeah. that that's going to be obviously the best place be for them to concentrate for them right but i'm trying to think it is they don't need wide receiver help right so is there a in front of them that are going wide receiver that's music to their ears right right that's what i'm thinking so would it be a, and you're you know it's it's a valid point who would they be considering who they need the leapfrog defensively so yeah yeah who would they who need to uh needy teams right they have to hop Miami, mm -hmm. they have to hop the Chargers in order to do so. Or mm -hmm. a team that truly wants, you know, Simmons or one of these wideouts may have to hop right. a team to do so. If you and I are on the same page and every mock I've seen, you know, they're well, are, Who's Kayvon Chase? I mean, that's the guy, obviously, Dan Quinn sure. has talked about a million times. Sure. So if that's the guy he loves, who's got a possibility of, of snagging him? To me, it's at number nine. You're looking at Jacksonville? Or you're moving that, up a little further right? to number seven with uh, with, with Charlotte. So, but if they do that, Joe, then the kid Brown from Auburn is still there. Yeah, right? The only person that makes sense to me would be number nine. Would be at uh, um, would sure. be at uh, with there exactly. or I don't know. It is where's Tampa in this? Does Tampa look like uh, a possibility uh, for this well, kid? Because and an old tackle to protect Tom Brady and all that. But, and you're right, Joe, but here's the thing. If you're going to go all the way up to nine, right? Right. Uh, the kid Brown will still be there from mm -hmm. Auburn, potentially. Chason could still be there. Kinlaw could still be there. Right. Uh, C.J. Henderson could still be there. Right. If you have, like, these four players as the next tier, you know, behind the Akutas, the Simmons, and the Chase Youngs, fine. But then you have four options. Do you truly think four teams in front of you are going to take this talent? Because that's the only reason you would need to leapfrog these wide receiver teams in order to get your pick of the litter. I sort of think you'll be staring, you could stand pat at 16, and you'll have someone you like there defensively still on the board. Well, again, it's not a matter of, it, it's simply a matter of perception for Atlanta and who do yeah. they think is a is a threat in order to be able to get that player that they like. And so uh, and that's the threat. That's the Here's question. The you know, do some of these play, do some of these teams, and while it's so nice for us all to, uh, you know, to speculate and, and say this is what a team needs, while the reality is some teams and some general managers might just take the best player on the board, whether they need them or they don't need them, and that's been done many times before, too, especially in the first round where, listen, you know, the, the Jets, you don't need a defensive tackle. Well, you know yeah. what, if he's the best player on the damn board that you didn't think you were going to have, you go and get the best player on the board, and that's never a bad strategy. Plus, Atlanta knows who's been talking to who. 
So if there's teams between them and, you know, who they think or else might have an interest, I think Jacksonville's definitely one of them. Um, I, you know, they're going to do what they feel they have to do in order to be able to go get it. Of course, everything is, is price-wise, but I am sure there's a couple of teams that are at least uh, up ahead of them that they may be going... If they flip the switch, I'm going to be really bent out of shape. But they got to really like a guy, I think, in order to be able to move up there. And if, like if I'm ahead of Atlanta, I'm interviewing everybody Atlanta. I'm doing, I'm, go ahead. I, everybody you like Atlanta, I'm talking to. Go ahead. Love and war. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead and do it, man. Let me see who you got. Yep. But remember, Joe, we also, you know, we started doing this. I know we'll dig into it a little bit in hour number two as well. Mm-hmm. But we, we identified the defense-hungry teams. And the books are putting out the same thing in terms well, of, nobody's like... more defensive-hungry than Atlanta, but yes, sure. yeah, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> and by the way, FanDuel is hanging them at minus 400 yeah. to go defense. So we're saying all the yeah. same things, right? right? But what I just don't understand is, you know, we talked about Carolina, we talked about Jacksonville, right, as teams that may want to go defense. Yep. But there's enough top-end defensive talent that all those teams can go defense. That's and you're correct. still staring at two or three different options if you're going to agree that, you know, Henderson is someone who's at that level. If Chason is someone who's at that level. If Kinlaw is someone who's at that level, Joe, I believe those three defensive players will still be on the board after the top 10 or 11, you know, in the way we've played it out. And so I think that gives Atlanta multiple options to be able to stand pat instead of having to spend right. for, like, Go get their guy. I believe this is smokescreen, Joe. I really do. Maybe they're scurred, you know, because they see, like you say, San Fran interviewing Kinlaw mm-hmm. or, or or the Denver Broncos bringing in Chase on for, for an interview. But don't get scurred, Atlanta. I think you can stand pat and still be happy with whatever you get at pick 16 on the defensive side of the ball. Well, if you're looking at the Broncos, yeah. um, Broncos need defensive help, so it's not that uh, if that's who you're worried about, you're willing to swap places with him because, listen, Denver could swip, switch with you. You can get, you know, whoever it is that you want there, Henderson, whoever, and Denver yeah. is still going to be able to get who they want. I mean, there are some win-win scenarios. It's just at what cost, uh, but yeah, I do think do it. I think both of those teams are definitely going to go uh, defense in that category anyway, so... Uh, opportunities abound for some of these teams, and the rumors continue to uh, churn, including uh, one about Tua that just will not go away. Well, go ahead. Uh, everybody uh, and their mom seems to be uh, chiming in on the Tua situation here. So we'll talk about that coming up in hour number two. We'll continue with our prop bets here a week from today for the 2020 NFL Draft. And we'll do it coming up next on the early line here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.